Hello, thank you so much for joining me. I'm Joseph Mertz, the founder and CEO of Stern & Group. Uh, last night, we were joined by Kate Tones. Now, Kate's the People Experience Manager at Merivale. Um, I won't go into too much detail, but basically, Kate talked to us about their journey uh, digitizing their HR and she covered a lot of lessons that they learned and also pitfalls that you can take note of um, to avoid if you're looking to do something similar. I want to say thank you so much to Kate for taking the time to do this. It was a wonderful talk and I also want to say a big thank you to Emma Egan who organized this month's Higher Purpose. So I hope you enjoy it. It is a real pleasure and an honour to um, chat to you. As I said to some of the guys from Linfox, I, um, I wish that someone had told me a lot of the watch outs that I hope to share with you tonight before I um, started with my team on this transformation journey. And so um, hopefully I can impart some of that knowledge on you that I wish someone had told me. And at the same time, want to be really open and have lots of questions thrown at me. Can't promise you that I'll know all of the answers, but I'll, I'll give it a good shot. So in the, the very tech landscape that I live in right now, please indulge me these, these tools to help me do a good job. So I'm going to give you a quick little overview of Maryvale. Um, everyone here from Sydney. So you probably know um, a bit about Maryvale. And no doubt at times you will have been in a Maryvale venue and not even known that it's Maryvale. So um, I'll make sure that I give you some context to the environment that we started on. Um, I'm gonna talk through um, in a bit of detail the transformation that we went through, um, purely from a systems perspective. Uh, at the same time as transforming our people technology, we've made a lot of leaps and bounds forwards in terms of initiatives around training, development, reward and recognition, our talent acquisition process. So if you want to pick my brains on anything people experience that isn't um, digital at Maryvale, I'm happy to go there as well if that's where you'd like to go. Um, and want to make sure that we leave some good time at the end there for questions and answers, um, even if it puts me on the hotspot. So um, a quick overview of Maryvale. Um, M gave a very nice introduction, but to say that Maryvale has evolved over the years is a pretty gross understatement. Today, I hope I'm not taking too many liberties in saying that Maryvale is Australia's largest privately owned um, restaurant and hospitality business, and we've been in the business for just over 60 years. Uh, we're a family-owned business, um, owned, run and led by the family, and in particular our CEO, Justin Hemis. Uh, if you fast forward now to where we are, 2018, seats up the front, guys, if you'd like them. <laughs> um, we began as a fashion house, but now, as I said, fast forward to 2018, um, and we have over 70 brands and venues across our extensive portfolio. Uh, what I love about Maryvale is that you can drive to all of our venues. Uh, so no more domestic or international travel for me is a blessing. Um, but it also means in terms of um, being able to touch and get to and experience what our staff see, um, it's, it's a pretty easy a gig in that respect. 
So as Em said, as leaders in the hospitality industry, Mary Val definitely, I hope, unless anyone wants to disagree and have a debate with me, um, have a reputation for being all about the guest and being very guest focused in everything we do. We consider our people to be our most important asset in achieving that goal of being able to serve our guest. Um, and as Em said, we very much pride the venues, our aesthetic, the environment we provide for our guests, the food we put on the plate, the drinks we put in your hand, and the way that we serve you to do that. But then when you take a peek behind the curtain and some of our back, house, back of house systems, it wasn't quite as impressive as, as what we present um, to you, the guest. So being the people experience leader that I am, um, I wanted to make sure that the experience that our people had was matching the experience that our guests had. And, um, and we had a big canyon to jump over to get to that. And uh, if I'm really honest, I would say we're not quite there yet, but we've got a great map, a great mo roadmap and a great plan of how we're going to get there over the next five years. Um, so my first watch out would be um, there's no quick fix from my experience. Um, and it's all about having a really good plan, a robust plan in place, a long-term focus, and to gradually chip away and get better and better at it. So first learning of the, of the night. Um, at the point where I joined Maryvale, so about four years ago, as Emma said, uh, outdated systems and processes. I jokingly said to one of the guys before, um, a series of filing cabinets that will hook together um, somehow electronically and maybe not even so. Uh, was definitely holding back our ability to be able to provide that exceptional experience, but also to be able to scale. Um, in the time that I've been at Maryvale, as Emma said, we've doubled in staff size. I think we've been through about 13 venue openings in that four years. Um, and so the ability to scale, not just um, in our immediate vicinity, but to have a long-term goal where if we wanted to scale outside of Sydney, we could, um, was definitely hampered. Uh, I'm, I've got a little quick video because I, I think um, everything that Mary Vow does is very, oh, what good timing, we can say phones off, um, is, very, um, is very look and feel. And so in case you're not aware of all of the different aspects and areas of um, our business, I will just quickly show off my talent video quickly and then we'll come back to some more detail. So hopefully you can see that we've got a lot broader array um, then maybe some of just the front of house roles that you see and experience uh, in your day-to-day -day dealings with Maryvale. We've also got a pretty extensive um, back of house and also venue services areas like facilities, production, um, our horticulture team that you saw there. Oh, sorry. That'll be another Maryvale video. There we go. Sorry, Em, just showing off your browsing history. That's all right. <laughs> Um, and also our, our floristry team as well, if you've ever walked down Parlings Lane and seen the beautiful florist there. So um, a really variety um, of roles, um, different businesses, different working hours, and a lot of different experiences that people were expecting that we needed to cater to in digital transformation. It's worthwhile saying at this point that I'm definitely not in it alone. I'm very lucky to have an incredibly supportive and innovative CIO. Um, who joined Maryvale not long after me. Um, and he's leading a broader digital transformation across the whole business. I was very lucky that um, he was supportive of our change in the people space, but also that I think as uh, 
people person who was excited about technology and excited about transformation. I was lucky to be one of the leading colleagues that probably got the tap on the shoulder to be able to go first with our project because we were there going, we'll do it, we're ready. Um, and now some of our colleagues behind me are, are getting ready for things like CRM and loyalty. Again, projects that we haven't tackled yet to date um, in Maryvale's history. And off the back of the success of our project, which we call My Maryvale, um, we're able to start keeping moving down that digital um, transformation journey. But I'm not a CIO, so I won't talk broadly about that journey. But another watch out that I would say in terms of if you're considering tackling this journey or if you're considering whether it's upgrading your systems, buying new systems, or trying to get the best out of the ones that you have now. If you haven't got your CIO on, the, on board, if you haven't got your technology team behind you, then you're really gonna face an uphill battle from the very start. And I understand how difficult it is to get um, the business and the technology team, and also in particular the CFO behind you, um, in terms of putting together a business case for why you should go through digital transformation in the people space. But I would say in my experience, the, the first hurdle you can tackle is definitely the CIO. Um, and if you can get the CIO, I didn't have to do this with our CIO, but if you can get the CIO thinking about your people the same way you think about your customers, or for us, your guests, we never say the C word um, at Maryvale, um, then you're going to have an easier time in making that transformation because CIOs, I think, particularly this day and age, are thinking about customer centricity, are thinking about, for us, the guest um, as the way of generating revenue, as a way of making sure that we continue to foster loyalty. We expect the same thing from our people. We want our people to be loyal to us. We want them to keep returning to work, especially with a, a hugely casualised workforce. So almost 75% of the workforce at Maryvale are seasonal, transient, casual staff. And so if we don't impress them, if we don't make them happy, if we don't make coming to work for us easy, then they won't come and work for us. There, there are a ton of jobs that they can do for other competitors, um, in similar industries or even in different industries like retail, media or events that they can go and work at instead of Maryvale. So it is definitely a war for talent um, and our digital transformation was our first step in trying to, to get into that war or to fight that war. Um, so where we, where we were when I joined Maryvale and I, I We've, I've got zero to hero here, but I don't know if we're quite hero yet, but we're definitely hero in the bits that we've done so far. Um, so I mentioned that our back office wasn't living up to the high standard of front of house performance. I mentioned peeking behind the curtain and everything not being quite as shiny as what we show to the guests. Um, payroll panic. So as you can imagine, hospitality business, we run a weekly payroll um, for now nearly 3,000 staff. We're in the process now of recruiting 810 staff to the business for summer who will join us before Melbourne Cup Day, which is our busiest day of the year. Um, and when you're paying these people weekly um, as casual employees whose hours change week in, week out, day in, day out, um, whose different conditions can change. And in fact, in the space of a, a week, even their roles can change. They can go from a bar back to a bartender, uh, they can take on supervisory shifts. It is a panic to think that you could get that wrong. Um, and as HR professionals, many of you in the room, we know that 
that will result in the Fair Work Ombudsman, the Fair Work Commission, the unions or whoever else you don't want knocking on your door, coming knocking on your door. So um, again, that was something for us that focused the business case around why is this really important? Um, this is one of the core bits where it's not just about the people experience, it's actually about compliance. Um, and as much as um, I like to talk about the really exciting bits, compliance is something that sharpens the CFO's focus um, or the finance team's focus around why is it important? Um, because compliance risks can add up very quickly to fines, back pays, things that you don't have planned. Um, and so for us, we had um, a, a great deal of uncertainty about using a payroll system previously that was from maybe if we're lucky the 1980s and making sure that we could actually pay people uh, week in, week out safely and compliantly. Leave leakage was a big one. So even though 75% of our workforce is casual and so therefore only 25% of our workforce had annual leave or sick leave, we could never be sure that when someone was on annual leave, we were actually taking that amount out of their accrual. <laughs> and so again, sadly, that sharpens the focus around, if I'm trying to make a business case for an investment we wanna make in digital people solutions, and yet there's possibly money walking out the door when someone changes roles and receives a pay increase or leaves the business and takes their leave balance with them, it's a very compelling reason to invest in technology to try and cut some of that out. Um, in our business case, we made a very conservative estimate of 1% improvement in leave leakage. And although um, it's hard without really good base data, we didn't have base data to start from to make comparisons, and I'll get to that watch out in a minute, uh, our estimates tell us that we may be looking at about a 4% improvement on that 1% kind of conservative estimate. Um, so I will talk a little bit about some of the watchouts when it comes to business cases, because we definitely made some errors. Um, but leave leakage for us was on top of the compliance risk and easy go-to to make the business case. Um, improving the candidate experience is the major one. And we're currently in phase two of what we call My Merry Valve. So My Merry Valve for us is SAP success factors on all of the human capital management, HR side of things, Kronos workforce management on all of the time management, time and attendance workforce management side of things. And then we are very lucky to have an implementation partner. Um, and I'll, I'll give some advice on that as well. But our implementation partner is Presence of IT. Um, and presence of IT are effectively helping us to not stuff it up. Um, and I'll talk about capability in a moment and how going into these digital transformations, you th should think a lot about whether you actually have the capability to get the shiny toys and know how to implement them properly. Um, presence of IT, our implementation partner, have helped us and continue to help us on that journey to, um, as I said, not stuff it up effectively. Um, and I would highly recommend an implementation partner to anyone who's thinking about, is it worth the investment? Do we do it? I would ask the question back, what's the cost of failure of spending the money on the licenses, uh, the subscription, the time and effort and energy of your team to then get it wrong and have to do it again, probably with an implementation partner. Um, so, improving the candidate experience was key for us 
it is at the heart of everything that me and my team do at Maryvale. Uh, we're definitely there for our existing employees, but the war for talent, as I mentioned, is, is sharpens the focus around making it very easy for candidates to do business with us, to get a job, to register their interest, to get in and to get working really quickly. Essentially who we compete with is local cafes, small restaurants and businesses where I can walk in with a piece of paper, say, hello, I'm Kate, I would like a job. Excellent, Kate, we've got a job and you can trial right now. You are really great, you've got the job and you start tonight. So it's not a standard employment process, it's not a standard onboarding process. In this industry, in a small business, they can be incredibly agile and very, very fast. And so if we want to compete for that talent, we have to be literally that agile and that fast or we will lose people. Especially when you're being paid weekly, uh, you've just potentially arrived in Australia and it's your, your first job as you've got off the plane and you need to start working now to pay the bills. Uh, it's really important that you can start somewhere very quickly and get the money coming in the next week. So if we don't focus on that, we're in big trouble. Um, and then people power, I think, um, Hospitality traditionally has been an industry that is quite behind the eight ball in terms of adopting technology. And I don't just mean in people technology, I mean some of the really cool innovations that you're seeing, for example, with Uber and Airbnb, we aren't seeing those innovations yet in the actual hospitality experience. We're seeing them around the experience, if we think of Uber Eats, for example, um, but we're not seeing innovations in that experience. And I think we had a real opportunity at Maryvale as industry leaders to really try and get out there and say, this is what it looks like to introduce people technology that really kind of makes a difference and makes the employee experience incredible. Um, so one of the little quotes that I've taken from our head of people systems, Jess, that I, I like as we're moving through this journey is, it's nice to be in a position where we're already thinking about what the business needs before they're asking for it. It validates that your partnership with the rest of the operations part of the business matters. So I've got a few of the, uh, I'll talk about YSAP success factors. So we at Maryvale kind of lost a year, um, and I won't mention any names, but we lost a year to a vendor that didn't make it for us. So we invested heavily in a partnership. We met a lot of the needs that were required to go live. And on the 11th hour, that vendor effectively went out of business. Um, and it was a, a really horrific process for us because as I said, we spent a lot of time, effort, energy and attention um, to get to a point where we had actually nothing to show for it. So we learned a lot in that year. Um, and as frustrating as it was, we were back to the drawing board. Um, and as what I described to vendors at that time, a bit of a battered spouse, um, we were burnt and um, we were deeply suspicious of vendors and whether they could deliver to our needs. Um, and in a total backflip, we then went and met with over 50 plus vendors um, through some sort of speed dating process <laughs> where we first met them and decided if we liked them because for us, um, partnership is very important and actually working with someone that you wanna work with, someone that you enjoy being around was really important. Um, we then got system demos and the third part of our process that I would really recommend to anyone is we, we ask people to take a sample of our workforce 
our roster and build it for us in their system and play it back to us. And it was that third stage where a great number of vendors fell down, where it was very obvious that even though they were saying, we can do all the things you need, we can, we can completely take someone mid-shift for an event staff member and move them to a different cost centre to do a different job and then move them back before the end of the shift. Um, we can absolutely make sure that their photo is on their profile. We can do all of this stuff that you have listed in your requirements. In that third stage where we said, okay, great, show us and ask the vendor to present back to us, most of the vendors fell down. And so we ended up with um, SAP Success Factors and Kronos, as I said. Um, both have uh, their needs, their duty in what we require them for. So Kronos is our workforce management tool. It manages all of our time, biometric clocking in or punching in, punching out, um, time records, wage records, cost centres, the connection with our finance system. Um, as you can imagine, in hospitality, labour, uh, can make the difference, paying wages can make the difference between success and failure. Um, and it's very important to be able to forecast and analyse what your labour spend is. And so that's the, the purpose that Kronos serves for us. It's incredibly powerful. It's not as beautiful, it's not as intuitive, but it does the trick like a, a real workhorse in what we need it to, to keep our business on track when it comes to wages. And then SAP Success Factors is very beautiful. Um, if you've ever been in a Maryvale venue, you know that we care a lot about what things look like. Um, we care a lot about the aesthetics. And for us, SAP Success Factors was a big tick in a very beautiful aesthetic. And I haven't done any like little demos, but if anyone wants to come and I'll show it off when I finish, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, whenever I do sort of show it off in interviews with people for the HR team or for other roles. I'm like, let me just get the org chart out and I'll do this for you and I'll take you through. And, you know, we could call this person right now, but we won't do that because we're in an interview and that's awkward. Um, I'm very happy to give you a bit of a demo and we're really proud of what we built, but the tool, the platform allows us to take our ideas and translate it into something that's very visually beautiful, very easy to use. Um, no surprise that we deal with digital natives the average age of employees at Maryvale is 27 years old, and that's accounting for a lot of people that are a lot older than me. Um, but it means that they're used to using technology and they never not use technology to do anything in their life. So if we can't deliver them technology that's beautiful, easy to use, intuitive. And one of the great things with SAP Success Factors is we rolled out um, EC and EC payroll, the two um, things that we did in phase one with absolutely no training. So we literally just said, here's how you get on. And then once you're on that, we don't need to tell you what to do. Um, and in EC, we have people managers doing all of their variations. So to move people between venues to promote people, uh, we have terminations that are done in there, any changes to job and compensation information, um, literally any change to what you would consider to be your org chart or your org structure is what happens in EC. One of the great challenges we had was manager approval. So we made um, a really core decision at the start of our transformation that we would keep it simple always. And we challenged ourselves at almost every day of our project, which started in March 2017 and we went live on the 1st of October 2017. 
was described as a extremely aggressive go live by our implementation partner. Uh, many of the SAP uh, customers currently live who we spoke to in that period said there is no way that you are going to go live in October and I'm very happy to say that we did. Um, but in the process of the, the keep it simple motto, we kept coming back to, you know, what if someone promote someone and, and suddenly says they're going to pay them $100,000 and because we didn't introduce manager approvals, it, it doesn't get caught, okay? So what if no one ever does that? And because no one ever does it, we have all these managers having approvals, sitting with them, waiting with them, waiting for them to action them. Let's just let it happen. Let's just let it go through. Then we said, we're going to let everyone put their own photo in. What if, oh, that could be incredibly risky. Think of the, some of the people in our business. What if people put up photos where they don't have any clothes on? Okay, so should we not let people put their own photos in because that is a risk? And we decided time and time again, no, we would do the thing that pushed the responsibilities far down the line to the user, um, away from the manager having extra work to do. And I'm really happy to say that I haven't yet dismissed someone for putting a photo with no clothes on. Yes, uh, winning. And I also haven't um, gotten mad at anyone for putting in a variation of anything other than what they are allowed to do. So it's a really good business case in like letting people have freedom to do their jobs, not introducing extra process, um, extra workarounds, extra approvals for the potential 1%. And we haven't even seen the 1% yet, but I'm quite sure there will be a 1% out there. But the massive amount of improvement and speed, agility that we've got from removing the barriers has been incredible and, and we don't regret it for a minute. So why SAP success factors? It's beautiful, it's functional, it does its job. Most importantly though, what I would give as a watch out, we accidentally built into our process that we were looking for a partner. We were not just looking for someone to provide our technology solution. We wanted someone to truly get into partnership with us, not over the term of a five-year contract, but for good. Um, and SAP really shone for us that they invest a lot in their roadmap, a lot in their innovation, but more importantly, um, coming from the battered spouse that we were, we continually challenged them before we even put any money on the table to say, introduce us to other people who have this product. Don't facilitate the meeting, just give us the contact details, let them know we're gonna call them and then leave us alone. And time and time again, they did that. They fronted up with senior HR people, senior technology people, actual project managers who were doing this work and we went directly to them and we never found someone who said, yeah, they're not good. They, they won't look after you. They don't do a good job. They do an incredible amount of work with the community. So facilitating events for the SAP SuccessFactors community and then basically exactly what we said, getting out of the way and saying, you guys talk amongst yourself, figure out what's great, figure out what's not. Feel free to have this board where you can put ideas up there and everyone can vote on it, vote it up, vote it down. We do a lot of lobbying with the SAP Success Factors community to say, can you please vote on the thing that we put up there so it goes higher up the list? 
Um, we're lucky that we've had SAP France vote on one of our items, so that's good. Um, but they really do do a good job for us in facilitating what we were looking for, but also they feel a lot like a partner that we've made a good choice for for the future. So I talked about our implementation. Um, this is it in a, in a very big nutshell, um, in a little bit more detail. So live, we went with um, Employee Central, Employee Central Payroll and Kronos last year. Immediately, as soon as we went live with phase one, we started working on phase two. And we are currently 37 days from go live on um, SAP Success Factors, recruitment, management, recruitment, marketing and job posting. Um, we are also taking the opportunity to go live with a really cool piece of functionality called Walk Me, which kind of, um, uh, I don't think I'm allowed to say AI because it's not quite that cool, but it like steps you through the process of like, how do I complete a requisition? How do I do a variation? And it literally walks you through the process. So really happy to say actually that my team are building that functionality over the top. Um, onboarding comes next. Uh, Maryvale have um, been very noisy and have been very lucky after being noisy to be a beta customer for onboarding 2018, which we will be one of five people in the world that go live with the new version of onboarding. We'll actually help SAP build it for the Australia, New Zealand or APAC market. Um, so that's going to take quite a lot of time. We've also got learning coming down the track. EHS and a whole lot of Kronos functionality where we'll really work hard on the labor, forecasting, analysis, that type of stuff. I have mentioned a few times that the implementation partner and in looking at our implementation, we've been told so many times that we can't do what we wanna do or that we're aggressive or that we're very fast in what we wanna achieve. We don't feel fast, we feel slow. Um, if I look at phase two recruitment that we're in right now, um, we had initially looked at three iterations. So the way we work with our implementation partner is kind of they know SAP and Kronos really well. They tell us what, what decisions we need to make. They go away, they build it, they play it back to us. And that can happen once, twice, three times. You would never do it once because it's never never perfect the first time. Um, in our first phase, we did it three times. In our second phase, we decided to cut out a whole iteration to save money. Um, and so we're now doing phase two with what is once again called an aggressive timeframe um, and two iterations of, of playback. And we're, we're now at the point where we're at UAT testing, user, accepted, user acceptance testing for phase two, and we're looking pretty good, which is good. It sort of highlights the point though, that what we're capable of now we definitely weren't capable of in phase one. So my people systems team is made up of our head of people systems, who is a former WHS advisor when I joined the business at Maryvale and has made an incredible career move across into people technology. Always knew she was a capable person. She is totally the right person for technology. She's very analytical. She's very process driven. Um, but what is really nice that I haven't seen in many of her counterparts in her role is that she's very connected to the business, which she got through her WHS role. Um, my people systems specialist is a former head of operations from one of our venues who was totally just a nerd for rosters, timesheets, scheduling and technology. Um, my people systems analyst 
um, was a former talent administrator who um, went and became the HRBP for our technology team for a short space of time and has then moved into that team. Um, and then our payroll manager who had formally never worked on any of the systems that we've implemented. So during phase one, we were all total newbies. We had no idea about project. Even with the year we had lost kind of projecting in the other system, um, we had no idea about timeframes, um, responsibility, accountability, who's consulted, who's informed. Uh, we were pretty poor at knowing how to track budget, things like change requests. If you ever hear the, hear the word change request, be aware. We know that now. Um, but what I would say is so impressive is that, and also scared the absolute shit out of me, sorry Emma, I told you I wouldn't swear, um, is that those professionals now having done phase one are so marketable with their skills that they could be picked up by any of those SAP success factors clients who now know them because they're really visible in the community. Um, and they could easily pay them a lot more than I'm paying them. So they're now staying for the passion of the project. But if you do have a project team and if you are going through digital transformation, it is a really huge watch out for me that you accept at the very start the amount of skills and capability that your team are going to get and that you have a really good plan in place for how you're going to engage them either post go live or into the next project. There's also project fatigue. Um, I'm in it right now, towards the end, you, it really is a grind. Um, and if you set aggressive timelines as well, you kind of make it up for yourself. But um, it's difficult to come down from that level that you're at in a project, which is like intense deadline, get it done, make decisions, move, 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 and then be like, oh, okay, I can breathe. And um, then figuring out how you're going to get people off on leave, get people on time in lieu, get people to just come down from that level of adrenaline and then engage back in whatever their role is, whether it's BAU or project focus, is, is a really good thing to have a plan for from the start. Speaking from experience, I didn't have a plan for it. I've luckily fumbled my way through it and have continued to engage the exact same team we had on phase one. And if you, particularly if you're doing a modular approach of projects, if you can retain the team the whole way through, you move so much faster and not just in their capability and skill set, but in how much they learn from working with one another. So in how much, and um, if you walk into, we've got a what we call a fishbowl, it's a glass office where our whole systems team sit together um, and they just banter off one another. Now they're like, no, don't do that. We're not doing that. It's not like that. It's not going to work. And it happens so fast and, it, and it's only happening like that because we've been able to retain the whole team the same way through. So huge benefits there. So hopefully I've talked through most of these results and benefits. I, I pop this on. Um, I don't know if it's too, maybe not humble to say, but we really are now leading the charge for the organisation of what it looks like to deliver a good project and take the people tech bit out of it. It's about we, we diligently set a goal for ourselves. We kept within budget, just, and we're gonna keep clawing it back as we go into future phases. We delivered on time. We changed, managed the entire organization to on one day, on the 30th of October last year, switch off 
all of the stuff they've used in the past in a whole um, workforce management system, a whole way of working around rostering, scheduling. We changed out all of the clocks that they punch in and out of. We gave them the SAP Success Factors apps and tools to stop doing everything on one day and start doing everything the next. Um, and that came with a lot of difficulty. We were lucky that, again, presence of IT helped us around change and communication. So um, we had a change agent network. Uh, we did a lot of things like posters, EDMs, text messages, um, training as well. We involved the business in a lot. Uh, we learned a lot about change management as well. We learned a lot about taking the noisiest people or the people that were scared of technology and change and forcing them on the journey with us to get them used to the change um, and to the, the power in being able to turn someone like that into a supporter then has a ripple around the organisation that serves you very well. Um, we've now got massively increased visibility of our workforce. I can actually tell you now who works for us, how many people and where they are. And it seems like a silly thing to say, but I could not say that before October last year. I also couldn't say to you with certainty that if someone's parent died and we wanted to send flowers to their house that I knew their actual address. Um, if someone had a medical condition and had a problem at work and I needed to get in touch with their next of kin, I could not be sure that I was calling the ex-boyfriend that they broke up with three years ago. Um, there were many problems with our data that our, I now feel a huge amount of confidence in um, that seem like really basic things in business. Um, and when you lead a HR team, but actually make you look really impressive when you've got it sorted. Um, I would say, you know, when I joined Maryvale, I joined as the group HR manager um, and we've now rebranded our HR team to our people experience team. And that came with the go live of my Maryvale. And it felt very authentic that we were actually able to say, now that we've got some of that manual boring stuff sorted, we're, we're here to partner you now. We're here to think about the whole employee experience and what it means. And we promise we're gonna do a better job of that. And I would say that we have. We've got clean data. Um, it's very, very easily usable. We still don't do any training around these systems. It's just intuitive. Um, one of the things that Justin, our CEO says a lot is that he expects our managers to run the business like their own, to, if it was their business to make the decisions that they make in our business. And I feel proud that we're now empowering managers to actually do that with data that they would expect if it was their business. Everything's simple. Um, I'm sure there'll be times when it doesn't service well, for, but for the most part, it makes things a lot easier. Um, and I'm very happy to say that when we go live uh, on the 2nd of October with our new recruitment tool, our candidate experience will be so greatly improved. And I'm looking forward to getting rid of our candidate graveyard of nearly half a million records that probably have moved back to Sweden or aren't interested in working in hospitality anymore. Um, so that's a very brief overview of the journey that, um, that we've been on at Maryvale. Very happy to take any questions. I hope I've left enough time, um, but don't hold back. I'm, I'm happy to answer anything.
back first. Oh, no worries. Go, you got a question. So with um, implementing that, um, the changes there, so it was, like said, the, the flick of the Big bang. wasn't based yep. in um, that part, which I agree with, but I guess I'm getting a bit of pushback in our business around, oh, you know, we want to see that return on investment as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, with that, so... So ultimately the project is mod modular. Phase one, ECEC payroll, Kronos. Phase two, recruitment, onboarding, learning, EHS. But when we made that big first change, it was big bang. It was everything on one day. Now, the reason for that is that uh, one of our absolute non-negotiables was that everything was integrated and automated. So in the previous vendor that we lost the year with, they would describe it as automation, but actually between payroll, what it, what it was was a file drop and then a file pickup. We said, we don't want any of this file drop, file pickup. We want it seamlessly integrated. So right now, if I go in and change my name from Kate to Caitlin, it will flow through to all of our systems, including my email signature automatically. So the My Maryvale project also had the first Okta integration in the Southern Hemisphere. So single sign-on technology that runs over the top of everything so that our single source of truth is EC, not payroll. And many payroll people are like, well, it's got to be payroll. But because we're giving EC to people to to do whatever they want with it. You can check. We did have someone actually change his legal name to Legend. It's not Legend. Legend Strachan, no, your name is Scott. Um, so yes, okay, there's an example of someone who did the wrong thing, but it was very easily fixed. Um, the integration meant that we had no option of trialing in one venue and then rolling out or um, rolling out week on week in different venues. We had to make a really robust plan and just go. Now, we did the very diligent project things like a go, no go decision and it's Sunday afternoon at 6pm and we've got the entire executive team and the presence of IT implementation team going, do we go at 6am tomorrow morning and the decision was yes um, and you have a rollback plan in case it fails. Um, but for us, Maybe if you didn't have integrated systems, you could go in a modular approach, but it just wasn't an option, so we had to work around it. It can be done, I think, with a good plan. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. I think, yeah, I think it leaves too much room for, for pushback or, oh, let's, you know, I think you, you do all the work up front and then push from there rather than okay, these continual roadblocks. Oh, we tried this, oh, this didn't work, let's go back again. Totally. Yeah. And I, I very much get the return on investment um, question. Um, we went live with EC and EC Payroll because it was the foundation. We would have loved to have gone live with recruitment first. There's no doubt about it because the talent experience is so important for us. But we had to take the advice of SAP, of Kronos, of Presence and all those customers that we spoke to before we went live that said, get the foundation right first and then build an amazing house. And so we went like we were like, oh, we want to build the house now though. But we are so grateful that we got that advice and that we listened to it because even though what we've done in phase one isn't super sexy and it isn't as exciting, it's great, but it's not as exciting what's coming in phase two, three, four, five. We just keep saying to the business, it's the foundation, it's the foundation. We needed to do the right thing to build the house and the house is coming. So like, just hold your horses. Yeah, exactly. Other questions? Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a broader thing more about what you were saying 
Ah, good question. Okay, so basically question is, um, do people do their own variations and it's not signed off by the manager? No. So um, if I'm a manager and I've got a staff member in my team member in my team that I want to promote, I can promote them. I can do the variation. What it's not going to do is go to HR for approval or another senior manager for approval. So it is the manager who's in charge of that P&L that business area doing the right thing. And we've had to give people a lot of tools to say, just so you can do the right thing, here's the different levels that you're allowed to do. Um, we've done some system restrictions that mean that you can't um, take a executive chef and pay them on a level one. Like if you're an executive chef, you have to be this. If you're a barback, you have to be this and so on and so forth. So there's some system restrictions, guidelines that people have to stick within. But then there's certain things that, to my example, if I wanted to increase some of my team to 200K base salary, I can do that and no one's going to stop me. But then my P&L is, exactly. Well, then I'm going to be in big trouble because very quickly my P&L is going to be out. And in our business, we, we are really tasked to run it like our own. So would I do that if it was my own business? No, of course I wouldn't. Um, and so that's how we culturally manage that behaviour. Correct. So we don't do what a lot of businesses do where you have the two layer or even three layer approvals. It's one at the one layer and it's straight into payroll. Speed. Any other questions? Ah. My team, feedback from my team or feedback? Yeah, so feedback from the business around the changes. It's really interesting. Managing the first couple of months, we got a lot of feedback. Oh, the app keeps dying on me when I do this or I can't, I want to find the best feedback we get is actually from our CEO. He said, I just want to be able to search for like restaurant manager Fred's or head chef Bert's and find the person and that's one thing that SAP have never thought of yet. So um, that's one thing that we're getting a lot of people to vote on in the community. But now that the system is in and we're past that initial change phase, the feedback that we get is like, when is this getting better? When are you going to improve this? So it's like what we implemented, the bar suddenly is here and now people expect here. When the tools they had before were here, so um, we tend to get great feedback from people who've worked in other groups um, who say, God, I've never worked somewhere. I've never seen this stuff before. I've never worked anywhere that has um, this type of tool and it's amazing. I really love it. Um, the visibility and the, the org chart, which I should probably like put some sort of little video or something in my presentation, um, is hugely beneficial to the business and even for them to be able to contact people and swap shifts and um, you know communicate with one another and bring I'm sure the organizing dates over there too but like we don't need to think about that but I'm sure that's a benefit for them um, it's good feedback generally I would say the one area in terms of feedback in phase one that we managed really poorly was the people team we actually assumed that our team would just intuitively get it. They'd been on the journey of what we'd been through, of what we needed, what the risks were. They'd watched us go into Justin and with the business case and 
getting approval for this investment for our, you know, our first big technology investment in the history of Maryvale. And then we forgot to tell them really basic things like how their role would change. We didn't change manage our team the same way we change managed 3,000 other people. And it was a massive failure. Um, and luckily our team are really agile and they were pretty positive and they worked with it. But it was big eye-opener for us that going into phase two, we had to do a much better job with change managing our own team, particularly when it's recruitment and soon to be onboarding. Um, it really will change the way they do their role. And it's all for the better. It's removing all the manual things. It's removing double up of process. It's removing errors and ways that you get your job wrong, but we still forgot to tell them. So it's, you know, it's a huge watch out and I don't think we'll get it wrong again. Uh, and I don't know if any, if I would have listened to anyone who said, oh, don't forget to like change manage your own team. I would have been like, yeah, yeah, no, they're fine. They sort of weren't fine. I was going to ask, so when you say you did like an immediate switch, so was part of that because when you just seeing gradual people are more likely to kind of work around, was it kind of that you, any, any problems would rear their heads at that time and you could kind of deal with them immediately mm. or was it? The, it's purely the nature of the integration. I mean, if we hadn't have had the integration, we had the option to think about, oh, could we could we do it differently? Like, could we put in payroll and not have anyone impacted and get that right? And then we'll hook in EC and go live with that. And then we'll hook in Kronos. If we had have done that, I still think we probably would have chosen to go live, big bang on. It was, it was no surprise it was the 30th of October. It was our last possible go live date before Melbourne Cup, which as I said, is our busiest day of the year. If we had have missed that date, we go into that summer period where we're adding 800 people to the business. It's Christmas, it's crazy. We would not have gone live till February and we only got approval in March. So we, we had that window and we basically had to get it done or it wasn't an option to, to push it back to March. And the annoying thing was if we had to push it back to March, we then would have pushed back recruitment, which is now going live on the 1st of October to the following March. So it's sort of like a non-negotiable to keep moving forward in our technology roadmap. Because I'm a huge fan of overnight switches. I think it's just the way to do it. Oh, and people complain with an overnight switch of like, for like one week, everyone's like, oh, I don't have the app or I, you know, what happened to this little thing that I used to be able to do that I can't do anymore. But like to the point around the feedback, they very quickly forget and they get over it. They very, they Completely, and they very quickly forget that what we've delivered them in EC, they never had anything to do with that. And now they're like, oh, more, I want more, I want more functionality. Like, oh, God, we can't keep up. Yeah, they didn't have a choice. Like, you know, the, the filing cabinets were gone, the bits of paper had disappeared. Was there, did you have any issues with that? We have one thing that still annoys us um, greatly, and it annoys me so much that I have said that I will start to issue warnings on it. And that is that some people still do Excel rosters and then put them into Kronos. So if I, if I walk into a venue and I see an Excel roster on the wall, that comes down. But you know what? It causes problems. We've had chefs who show up to, to shift three hours early and head chef's like, what are you doing here? And they're like, Kronos said that I'm here. And they're like, oh, you didn't look at the one on the wall. Oh. 
no, the one on, and then, then, then they call up and say, do I have to pay him? I'm like, yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> because you rostered him to start at that time and he looked at the app and that's where he should look. Yeah. Um, and if I come out there one more time and there's an XL yeah. on the wall, it's going down. Yeah. Ah, that's the one. So look, people will, if they're really desperate to, find ways. Um, we continue to change, manage phase one where we have that people system specialist who is an ex-operational manager who does know what it's like in venue and he now goes out to venue like as a bit of a spot check and audit to literally sit with people and say, just let me show you how much easier your life can be and I'll remove all that double work you're doing in Excel because you don't need to do it but you just need the confidence and the comfort with the tools. So let me give you that. And then after that session, normally they're like, oh, I don't have to waste this time anymore. Thank God. And with your Good. project team, did they live and breathe that project or were they still balancing business as usual as a part of what they were doing? Because we weren't live yet, they were living and breathing that project and they, we wouldn't have got it done if they hadn't have. Yep. Now that we're live with phase one and we're working on phase two, their roles have taken on a BAU and a project component. Um, we found ways to make it work, but again, it's something that I would caution to make sure that you plan, like, what is this? Is this a purely project role? Is this a BAU role? Is it a bit of both? Like, it works for us to have a bit of both because it means you've got things that you're ticking along with, whether that's enhancements from phase one or change, communication, training, whatever, and then a heavy lift in phase two. Nothing in our future phases will ever be as heavy as phase one. So it really was the foundation. So we've made that work. And um, we did have to add an extra resource to the team that we weren't planning on. So I guess I'm lucky to work for a business where you say, I need this or the thing that we invested in that we want to be shiny and beautiful and work isn't gonna work as well. It's like, okay, well, you can have that, Kate. So I'm very lucky to have that business because I realize that for others, maybe it's a bit more of a challenge to sell the business case and the return. But for us, the return is there like day one, he started working. Cool. Any other questions? As a yeah. medium to long term role in the area of the site, from my own experience, it's seen grow very quickly from what we really really started with clients. Yep. You know, what I call a medium sized enterprise group. Is it endeavored to be larger again? And how then are you prepared for that? Yeah, so the good news is we're now prepared for growth. Um, so we can scale now very easily. And my, so when I joined Maryvale, I think I had seven people in my team. I now have 21. Um, and that scale was purely as a result of the growth the business went through. So new venue, another person for talent. New venue, another person to onboard. New venue, another HR business partner. We're now at a point where we can scale with our systems, our technology, and we don't need to do that constant Ferris wheel. Um, in terms of um, growth, and Maryvale generally is a business, um, Justin has a huge appetite to do amazing projects. We've got things on our dance card right now that we can't actually get to, like Coogee Middle Floor, um, the Alex, for any of you who live in Alexandria, we still haven't opened for you, but we're working on. Um, I know we're getting there. Um, the Royal at Bondi we just purchased and we're doing a bit of a reno there. So we've got a lot of things that are in the immediate pipeline that create a lot more growth. Um, and Justin's a very intuitive, um, opportunistic buyer and renovator. 
and whatever comes his way is what he'll take advantage of. He doesn't tend to sort of go, this is the life plan all the way out here, but he doesn't show any signs of slowing down. Um, he always likes to be working on something and um, no matter what is in our cards, growth is a definite. And one of the, the big parts of the business case for my Mary Val was we need to be ready to grow and right now we're not and that's a scary spot to be in. I'm much more confident and comfortable now that not only we, we're ready to grow, we can handle pretty much anything that the business throws at us. We can handle international payroll, we can handle like 50,000 employees if we had to, we can handle um, different English speaking, different other than English speaking languages in our system, like you name it, there's not much that if Justin said, oh, I've done this and we're going to do this now that I'd be like, oh, wow, I haven't got a plan for that. Um, but a year and a half ago, that was definitely not the case. So uh, like watch this space. Anything else? I'll do. Yay, let's have a wine. Thank you. <laughs>